Once again, you've slipped back into your bad habits and tuned in to your very favorite podcast on the internet. It's... It's the No Class Podcast. With your host, Eddie. And Matt. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're happy to have you again. Uh, Our last episode was the Satanic Panic. I'm really proud of that one. You think that was one of our good ones? I think so. We've gotten a lot of feedback on it. I don't know if you've seen that. No, I hadn't. Me neither, because we haven't gotten any feedback. But but I'd love to get some feedback. We're listening, folks. If you've got something you want to say about the podcast, about that episode in general, we're willing to listen. Let us know. We're all yours. So a couple of, I guess, little odds and ends before we get into our topic proper. Did you know that this week is the start of the Steam sale? No. Summer seems theme sale. Blah, 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 blah. I did not know that. So here is what I have found going through looking at the different games. I will type something in to see what the discount is, and then I'll find where it says already in your library. Yep. I own too many video games. Hard to believe. So you we'll see how this Steam sale goes for me. Oh, I've been playing Darkest Dungeon again. I've gotten on the masochist kick for that. All right. You hate yourself a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of watched some little tips and tricks online. And I was like, man, I am smoking this game now at the Apprentice level one. As soon as I cranked it back up and got into the level three, which I can't remember what that one's called. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it was right back. Back on the pain train. Yep, so we'll see. Maybe that's another one that you can enjoy it at the low levels before it starts really just giving you a brutal beating. I mean, I can't throw stones. I played way too much Darkest Dungeon. It's a fun game. It is fun, but and I'm also a masochist, so <laughs> you have to be. But yeah, it is fun. So other than that... In a root canal kind of way. We wanted to just talk about one little product here. Here's our nickel product review for you. What we have today is the DCC RPG Golden Egyptian Lich Cover, only available at conventions. Gorgeous. And you picked up a copy. I picked up a copy. What do you think? It, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's really, as usual, it's great binding. Ooh. You know, I mean, I already own the book. But I was glad to get that cover. The binding, the the artwork on the spine is gorgeous. The rear artwork is is really cool. No, it's just it's gorgeous. Um, it's really good work. I mean, Doug Kovacs' work is good, but this is really some of his better work. Um, yeah, and what's cool was because he, he, he's at the con a lot of times. Uh, he signed our books as well. It's really wish you could see the image. It's really neat. So check it out. Maybe examine it closely for secret messages. Oh yeah. But really, really good. It's my second copy of it. If you turn it upside down, you can find the name of one of the Golden Girls. Alrighty then. What I was going to say, you may not have heard, did you see this on their Facebook today, that it was a con exclusive, but now there is another way to get it. Did you see that on Facebook? Is it Road Crew? It is Road Crew. Sweet. All hail to the Road Crew. So that's one thing that I think... Goodman is doing that's really cool I got an email did you get an email maybe so I've checked my email email and seen that they actually sent me hey awesome road crew member you've run enough games you can now go to this website 
and purchase up to five copies of the book. Wow. But it is for road crew only. Nice. Well, that's good. The road crew deserves a special stroke. I really like that this one is a special edition. You have to do something a little bit more to get it. Yeah. And throw in another plug for us, of course. We just might, might, maybe have some Goodman Games representation at the Long Con. So I'm not promising you that you'll be able to buy your own copy at the Long Con yet. But as soon as we know that you can, we'll tell you right here. You'll be the first to know. So we're in the talks with them. Very favorable so far. They said we've caught them at a good time between other conventions. So they actually have time to sit and think about things at the moment. Cool. Because those guys are beasts for going to cons. Oh, yeah. That's madness. Yeah. All right. Now, our topic for today is the art of DMing or GMing. Game mastery. Judging. Yes, judging. I like it. So, there's a plethora of things that you could touch on, but I want to, for whatever reason, for me, I think the top of the list, consistency and fairness. Right. You've got to be able to trust your GM. Right on. And that's... It's one of those things that I've dealt with GMs that are sort of draconian. Me. But uh, that's okay. Thank you. As long as they're consistent. As long I as am. they're hard but fair, I think that's wonderful. Challenge me. But, because, I mean, an example is there's someone who's a, a good pal. But when we've gamed with him, there was a time, and I think he's grown since then. But um, basically, a spell worked a certain way one week week later mm-hmm. when an NPC cast it it worked completely different and we're like wait what and the whole table caught him out like I don't know what you're talking about nah dude everybody at the table is like nah you're full of crap you know and so you have to imagine that's aggravating so consistency you know fairness it may become one of your topics down the road but did you consider maybe where this blurs into adversarial GM Absolutely, and you don't want to be an adversarial GM. It's it's great to challenge your players, and I was going to get to that with one of my points later. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Yeah, but we won't break that train. But of you don't want to be challenge your players, but don't be adversarial. Yeah, well, well said. Well said. Well, I think one example uh, that I think of is if the person was running the game, the skill worked this way. It would be very weak. It would be very watered down. But if they were on the table with that character then the skill worked just as wonderful super powered as you can imagine which is one of those things where it's like if it's good for the player it's good for the gm regardless of what side of the screen you're sitting on you should keep it the same and i would call out that gm and i think that that's them basically in so many words basically you're letting the cat out of the bag that you're a weak gm that you don't know to how to work around that that skill feat ability or whatever that's kind of stymieing your efforts as a GM, well, adapt, you know, but don't just go, well, it doesn't work that way. No, it does work that way. You just need to adapt to it or be prepared for it or, or just accept that it works that way, you know. But anyway, yeah. Um, what else you got? Well, I would say another one, make your NPCs interesting. And this is one of those things where you, you can't necessarily flesh out every NPC. And, you've, and I'll get to this later. You need to be flexible and be able to improvise, uh, uh, improvisation. But I would say, you know, if you know there's a town that the players are supposed to go to, at least 
you know, those ones you're pretty sure they're going to interact with, like the guy they're going to sell junk to, the bartender, mm-hmm. bartenderess, whatever. I would, you know, try to flesh them out a little bit. Maybe you definitely have a name. Um, and that segues into another point was I'm going to say, take good notes. Because I'll tell them myself, I might make up a cool name on the fly. Hey, look at me. I'm good at that. But am I going to remember it two weeks from now? So make a note when the players come back. Wait a minute. That's not the name you gave us two weeks ago for the, mm-hmm. the bartender. Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about the NPCs mm-hmm. for fleshing out your NPCs. If you had a whole town, let's say 1,500 in this village of yours, mm-hmm. how many NPCs would you actually bother to flesh out? Maybe like a half dozen. Yeah, I would say that's fair. How many would you name? Again, probably that half dozen, maybe a dozen. You know, because luckily I'm, I am blessed in that regard that I can, I'd like to think I'm pretty good at coming up with a name off the cuff. But then again, I used to keep lists of names and I'd even have like Germanic names, uh, uh, you know, Greco-Roman type names, Slavic, you know, whatever, like different. So I could look at that list real quick, like one side's male, one side's female. So I could, you know, depending on what kind of game I'm playing. Yeah, I would say I'm not real good with just snapping off a name. Everybody's going to be named Fred. Yeah, but if you know that's not one of your strong points, you can which adapt. is what I do. You have those lists or whatever. Yeah, or, I got to where I just keep a list. Yeah. Or if I know in advance, then yeah, I'll go ahead and name those ten NPCs. That it's like you might not. There may not be any stats behind this person, but there's at least a name. Now what's hilarious is people will think if they see a little detail, like oh, this is an interesting NPC, and they might waste some time like trying to draw these nuggets of information or the what I call threads, you know, that you pull to get to that adventure. No, no, no. This is an NPC. You gave it a little character, but that adds a certain amount of verisimilitude. Yeah, I don't think you were there for this one on the uh, Borderlands where they ran into the pixie, the uh-huh. Nixie, and. I gave her some personality and put a quest in front of them that, you know, she could be a quest giver. Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, why did you put that there if we weren't supposed to interact with it? And it's like, oh, no, you 100% can't interact with this, but the sandbox. it's a sandbox. Yeah. You don't have to follow up every single lead. But, and that's and that's a whole other uh, podcast, but like the whole thing about a lot of gaming nowadays is kind of like very linear and lead the players by the nose and we're just going to play with our phone and let us know when the next little combat point or combat or whatever and it's like no i mean that's what i love about getting it i think recent both of us have had sandbox campaigns and maybe it wasn't overtly but in, on a subconscious level it was me kind of lashing back at this whole packaged linear path a then b kind of stuff Anyway. Yeah, we were doing the Borderlands. We finished that up, and now we moved on to the Isle of Dread, yeah. which Matt's running. Yeah. And that's pretty good. It's very open world, of course. But on that, I'm not tired of that yet, but I do think that that's going to have a limited shelf life, just yeah. in my opinion. We had two tables, and the interesting thing was the other table went straight to the Caverns of Chaos. Our table wandered all over the countryside and aggravated the crap out of Eddie. He's like, get to the content. But no, we kept basically grinding out in the woods to use a uh, 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 video gaming term or whatever. Yeah, but you guys, that one was not made as a huge sandbox. It's a sandbox, but it's not a huge sandbox. And I think you guys had pretty much had every overland encounter that you could. No, Eddie did a great job and we had fun. And that's another of my points I'll get to in a minute is ultimately, did we have fun as players? Yeah. Then mission accomplished. But, and I want to 
add, I'm, to that point about making your NPCs interesting, what might help is, and I think Eddie might appreciate this, don't be afraid to say maybe take an, a, one of your old PCs and turn it into an NPC. A lot of players won't get it or know, and you've already got the background built in because you remember your old character, and because you might be a little fond of them, you might play them a little better as an NPC because you know how to, uh, you know, you know how they want to act. And to that end, there's a recent adventure where you brought back one of your old characters. Carnage in the casino. And it was solid gold because that's a character you had developed. You, you knew that character, you know what I mean? But I think that one's good enough, and maybe because you played at the table, you were running when that character was being played, that I think that's one that you could easily pick up and oh, run. Absolutely, because I know how you play. Well, you watch how I played my character Scully in... Um, right, Borderlands. Borderlands, and so when I couldn't make it for a session, Eddie basically... <laughs> uncannily, you know, was able to run Scully kind of form with me not being there. Everybody laughed. They're like, wow, you do a great Scully. And he's like, well, I do a pretty good man too. Or <laughs> yeah. But anyway, enough about that topic. Well, um, now yeah, one more thing that I'll right, give you. Right, no, go ahead, go ahead. When you get more attached as the GM to an NPC than the players do. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. You'll know it right off the bat, but old iron guts or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that was something that wasn't even an adventure. That was one of my little things I added on my own, not to brag. But I think he got killed at one point or just he did, did he get and, killed. And I was fine with that because, I mean, everybody was really touched. They liked old Iron Guts. It really if, – if the players are like, oh, no, not Iron Guts, you're doing your job. You know, years ago, our good friend of ours, Gary, was running a Supers campaign. It was uh, kind of a post-apocalyptic. It was basically Sentinels. If you're familiar with Marvel – the Sentinels, the big killer robots mm -hmm. in the future of the X-Men, the alternate future. We were playing a Sentinels campaign. And there was one NPC that we interacted with a lot over the course of the campaign. And late in the campaign, he got killed. And all the players at the table, I mean, there were some, we had girls and at the table, they were misty and the guys were beating the day with their fist. And one guy stormed off from the table. I mean, people were put out that this NPC was dead. And I thought, now that, you're doing your job. If people are literally upset like a good friend has died tragically but there are other times when your beloved npc gets killed and everybody's like yeah okay yeah. let's move on yeah i think there was one of those probably in the uh tyranny of dragons yeah where it was like this is supposed to be this moving scene where maybe it was the barkeep gets killed yeah old batmar yeah and everybody's kind of like yeah, yeah okay uh -huh. yeah, too bad for him mar wasn't terribly likable well and the thing is when you're doing things in that sort of setting al you don't have the time to really role play enough or maybe have the interaction that level exactly it seems a little more mechanical it's rushed or whatever i think mm -hmm. anyway um so what comes after npcs well don't let the rules get in the way of fun or story and this was like here I'm, oh, darn, am I bragging on myself? When I was asked to do the questionnaire for the um, road crew. The road crew? Yeah. Basically, they did a little, what do you, what do they call that? Uh, survey? They did a poll? Yeah, they did a poll or survey. Well, please answer these questions for when you're part of the, the official road crew. What is, isn't there a special name? Like, anyway. Goodman Games Road Crew? Yeah, Goodman Games Road Crew, like the official on the website. So the, the one things I put in there for sure was don't let the rules get in the way of fun or story and I, and I stand by that in that you should you should know the rules by all means unless you're ready but um but don't i know the rules i choose to do what i want right on and but that's and exactly right here is there's times where i'll if it's if it's going to be a more fun or interesting or exciting outcome 
screw the rules, you know. And most of your players are going to appreciate that. There'll be that one diehard rules lawyer that might go, oh, you know, like, oh, I, you didn't follow the rule right there. Yeah, whatever. We're having fun. I think the one thing that you were trying to think of for the road crew was being roadworthy. You're roadworthy. Roadworthy, that's what I'm saying. There was a name for it. So, yeah, we've both been found roadworthy. That's the brag. But, yeah, for the for Pat the us on the back. Yeah, there you go. Your people like, if you move your hand, Matt, I would. But um, so don't yeah. let the rules get in the way of your fun. Is story, what you're saying for the players. The rule fun. of cool. Yeah, the rule of cool or the rule of fun. But I will say that I am probably a lot more draconian on that. I'm, I'm maybe not the strictest of GMs, but I def that is definitely something I've had to try and work on. For example, I don't know if the yes and GMing is going to come up as a topic in this. Is that one of your topics for us? It's like the old things like try not to say no, maybe. Right. Yeah. And like it, this episode is the art of GMing, but I'm sure this will be part one and we'll come back and revisit it many, many times. There's a lot you could cover. But to use that example as the yes and GM, it's like, look, if somebody says, I'm going to start flapping my arms and fly, I rolled a 20. No. No, you still, I'm sorry. That didn't happen. No. So if that makes me a no GM, then so be it. But you're talking about a perfect example of when, yeah, I think most anybody's going to say no. But as a kid, as a GM, the no, the word no was used a lot. But as I got older and I realized this is a fantasy, this is high fantasy a lot of times, there's some really implausible, like, what, legalists skiing down a dead orc's body and, you know, pulling two arrows out at a time and knocking them and they fly around a tree all, what's that, eagle eye style. And, you know, you go, come on, but you ate that stuff up in the movie and you're like, who oh, legalists? Well, I'm like, well, who's to say that the guy playing the ranger in your party can't be as cool as legalists? It, you know, if it's even remotely plausible adding in that filter that this is high fantasy, yeah, all right, if you roll the 20. Well, I think there's a big difference, and we've probably talked about it before, in a convention game and your campaign, your home campaign game. All the last stuff flying. In a, in a it's a one game. night stand. Yeah, it's a one night stand. I'm, Woo! I'm, let's have fun. Exactly. You know, party with the lights on. You know. So, that's where I've been able to get out of my own way on that a lot, and just make it more loose and more fun. Yeah. I would definitely say we're you're an, a very good game master, and I'd like to Write think I'm pretty decent. Mm. Yeah, debatable. But the fact is, I think we definitely, our styles, they overlap in places, but we're different gyms, but we're good in our own way, you know? Yeah, well, I don't know if this is going to be one of your topics, but watching other th other GMs. Yeah, you pay attention. I'm, I go to con games, see, and I want to do one of these podcasts talking about what's cool about going to a con. And that's one of the great things is you can play with a lot of different players and a lot of different game masters, and you can learn a lot of neat stuff. At NTRPG, free plug for them, that's what I really tried to do a lot was watch GMs go, this is what you're doing right or that I like, and this is what you're doing wrong, wrong. or I don't yeah. like. Not necessarily you're wrong and I'm right, but yeah. if I'm stealing little bits, yeah. this is what I'm going to steal. Steal with both hands. No. And when we did our Dark Trails, yeah. man, we're still talking about that and talking yes. about all the visuals that is – David Beatty? Yeah, and I'm going to paint it for us. That's one of our points coming down here. But So Matt has the master list, so I'm jumping all over the place. No, but I'm bit. glad you – that's good. Well, we can jump to that. Basically, I was going to say, when you're when you're doing your narrative and you're describing things, use all five of the senses, engage them, and don't forget who, what, when, where, and why. Now, I will say there are times when I'm bad at that. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, everybody, you know. But for me, 
I don't, I don't really like the long, vivid description most of the time. Yeah. Well, and that's where you got to find that sweet spot. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people will go, okay, guy, guys, no, you know, but honestly he could do a quick blurb, but even that little blurb. Or he could take two pages. Yeah, he could. But I mean, but even I know there was ones where he did the small blurb. You could, he really got a lot of detail across in that smaller space when, when he needed to or wanted to. He could be verbose. He could really oh, go no. off. Oh, no. He could have a full-page description, absolutely. Because what I've got on my mind right now is, as always, the village omelet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where the kith and the kin, and man, that's just pages and pages of stuff. But so for the player, yeah. it may not be as good. Like, here, let me sit here and read you two or three pages before you get no. to touch anything. But no. as a GM, mm-hmm. the picture it paints in your mind as you read it yeah. really puts you in the mood to run it. Puts yeah. you into that mindset that you know so much is going on. And that's the thing is you might have in your adventure, your writing, have that bigger blurb we're talking about for you to kind of read or reread in real quick to kind of set the scene in your mind, but then have that in italics, you know, three sentences or something. But the idea is, I mean, well, it's better to just go, all right, you see a 20 by 20 tomb. Or if I say, you know, your, your flickering torchlight illuminates a portion of a 20 by 20 room, the smell of grave dust, you know, in your nostrils. And, you know, it feels cool and damp here. All right. That wasn't too exactly. long-winded, but that's way more. And as somebody that says, that's not really something that I like when you get into the really long ones. If I write something, mm-hmm. guess what? It's going to be really long. I don't know why, uh-huh. but that's if I write it, that's what you're going to get. It's going to be really super more detailed but if i'm just throwing it off the cuff mm-hmm. you're more likely to get yeah it's a 20 by 20 room and it smells of blood something yeah. short simple and hit a couple yeah. of the senses but definitely like i said try to engage i mean not all five but you know engage a couple of the senses that makes it a little more uh real more you know evocative whatever to the players That's but one of the reasons opinion. i don't like a really long description for me is i've already got a picture in my head when you say 20 by 20 room, I'm already kind of picturing that. Mm-hmm. And the more detail that you've got is intruding on my mental image. Interesting. So, and, and, I, and that's what I wonder about. But everybody's different. How many players have that imagination and which ones don't? Maybe they need that. Some don't. Yeah. So that's an interesting point. Um, so we already talked about the, the rule of cool and the rule of fun. Um, so like an example of like make the fun, the game fun for the players and fun for you. Um and like an example would be like uh, make crits and fumbles fun. And one thing, one of the things that when I fell in love with the DCC system was it's an old school throwback. They have crit tables and fumble charts. And uh, that's as kids, I don't know how many home campaigns would eventually have something along those lines, you know, a crit table or fumbles or something, at least at least, oh, yeah. cause you know, that wasn't originally a rule in the game. Look any, everywhere through the DMG. I don't think there's a rule about a die 20 is a crit. But that became so such a common house rule that that became a thing in latter editions. Um, but it's so it's one of those things. And I remember on a natural one, we had things like you trip, you fall, you drop your weapon, you maybe hit your buddy or whatever. And that so that made uh, fumbles interesting, you know. And it don't have to be terribly detrimental. But what's to say? I mean, if if the player's okay with this and it seems appropriate for the character, the guy maybe like bust the laces on his pants and now his pants fall around his knees or something you know and he's having to you know either keep fighting with his butt showing or you know stop pull his pants up or hers or whatever but um 
you know, make, make it fun, make it interesting. Well, on to that, to be the fun police, I'm the guy that, I, for the most part, I don't care for the fumbles because I'm going to fumble a lot more than I'm going to crit. Hmm. So when it's like, you fumble, and it's a matter of how harsh you make the penalty. Like, right. you fumble and you trip and cut your head off, teehee. It's like, okay, that wasn't fun for me. Like I said, keep it fun. Well, that's like, I like fumbles. And the DCC fumbles really don't, they're not that harsh, in my opinion. But at one point, we got a deck of fumbles or something from somewhere. I whipped your ass with those. And yeah, he's like, you guys want to use fumbles, huh? And it's like, you do, you hit yourself and do triple damage. You decapitate your ally. I'm like, Jesus Christ, who came up with this yeah, crap? Those were some mean yeah. ones. And that's, that's not fun. That's and when it, I was like, let's you know. just put these away. Is anybody going to complain? No. But yeah. back to your point, so I can uh, talk out the other side of my mouth on fumbles. Uh-huh. Back to the dark trails. Uh, those were fun fumbles. Those were some great fumbles, especially the one where the guy peed his pants. pants. We were calling him pee pants. Pants for the rest of the adventure. So when I ended up running that, I had Sean. He peed his pants. pants. So right. it was like, hooray! Did you ever stop and clean yourself up? Nope. Then you're gonna keep hearing about that old pee Everybody's pants. Everybody's calling you pee pants. You you smell like you know. You, if it ain't mine, must be urine. So um, as long as it's not too brutal and it's just yeah, kind of a flavor right. enhancer, right. the mio in your little dash of water there, yeah. something to flavor it. Okay, but when you get harsh with them and you're cutting your own head off and ridiculous stuff like that or throwing your dagger into your buddy, not so much for me. Right, but that absolutely segues right back into make it fun. That's the key word. Um, And more fun police for you. Once again, a crit doesn't mean whatever you hoped happened happened. Oh, no. It can, but it doesn't always mean that. Some people feel like, I'm going to seduce the queen I rolled a, quitter, a crit. It's like, yeah, okay, but no. You know, she kind of maybe like winks at you and licks her lips, but that's that's as far as you're getting. She's the queen, damn it. She doesn't immediately slap the king in the face and rush over and to your side rip and demand. Rip her dress off or something. Yeah, yeah come on. Let's, this is a fantasy, but <laughs> we don't want to hear about your private fantasies. Um, so another thing would be listen to the players. Okay. No. Because it can be good fodder for side quests. And I mean, some examples of one of that is I remember when I was a younger game master, I'd be at one end of the table. I might go, let's take like a second break. I need to look a rule up or something. So while I'm falling through the book, the players at the end of the table, and like I can't hear them, they'd be like, oh man, do you think this John has a killer death sword or something? Oh my goodness, from that one rumor. He didn't before, but. Oh, well, you mean steal the PC's ideas? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's oh, great. Yeah, he does now, you know. So funny, as the older we've gotten, my players don't blurt crap like this out anymore. They're kind of smart. But I love when they newer players come in and they'll be mumbling stuff or talking about, oh, I, you know, I wonder if, if this ogre is, can fly. Well, it can now. I mean, it's a great idea. But the other thing I'll say, listen to players, is it, kind of the differences between like fifth edition, which I really enjoy, and DCC, which I enjoy. They're different kind of games. Some players will really just snivel and pule about rolling a, a subpar stat. And uh, whereas in, in D&D, oh, you get to tailor it, and every fighter has a high strength and a low intel and a low charisma. Oh, geez, you know, they're just very, it's kind of boring, you know, cookie cutter, mm-hmm. cardboard cutout. Uh, our DCC game, you know, our wizard was stronger than our fighter, and our fighter was stronger than the wizard. I love Smarter. That. Smarter, yeah, sorry. And uh, I just thought that was hilarious, but yet the wizard was phenomenal at what he did, and the warrior was incredible at what he did. So it's a game that's not tied up in its stats. But I say that to say if ever a player had – my wizard came to me and said, well, I, I want to be more intelligent. You know, I'd go, I mean, 
And my guy, he, yeah, he was a farm boy before he became a wizard. Can I go study? Well, if, yeah, that could be a side quest or part of the role play is if he said every time he went to town, I'm seeking out the local library, hedge wizard, noble person that probably has some books, and I'm studying, I'm reading, I'm studying. Okay, you've, you've really role played it up. You've helped me justify through role playing and stuff in the game a higher intellect. So if, if my player had ever said that to me, listening to my player, that would give me an idea. Or if the warrior goes, I want to get stronger, I go, well, you've heard about a well in a terrible dungeon, and all of a sudden it's him to convince other players to go to this dungeon. Now I've got to write the dungeon, but he's just given me, he's just handed me a, a subquest for the party, you know? Yeah, well, I remember way back when we first started playing together, we wrote these character backgrounds, and, of course, mine was just completely hook-laden. I was like, I've thrown so many things in here that the GM could pick up and run with. And we never did because we were doing the Scales of War Adventure Path. It's like, look, yeah, we're on, the, we're on the train here. We don't have any side quest stuff. But I always think of that. Of course, it's mine. But I always think of that as being a really good example where a player has provided that stuff for the GM. And as a good player, the art of the player, mm-hmm. that's something you should keep in mind. Yeah, because that's where I know that after that you might have been like, forget, never again. But since then, you we've anyway, yeah, we've had opportunities to play campaigns where it's like, oh no, no, now you would get. Yeah, you, you almost get, made me kill a baby. He was gonna say, yeah, it's he gave me a hook, and boy, did I hang something on that hook. And I'll get to that. And actually, let's you've given me a segue. So one of my points farther down was challenge your players outside of combat, but also be careful with subject matter. So, For sure because like know Ed, your audience because like eddie had said that he he basically said that his character changes identity when he put in a farm boy and a wizard he, he, he fled his little farming village and went away to the big city or bigger not far away and like took on in that am i yeah he's a yeah. wizard and then you know there's power in names so his true name is a complete secret he operates under another name and as far as i know no one even knows that's not his true name. Yeah. So, of course, very first adventure, I have his brother show up and with a baby or whatever. And I'm like, I guess I'm going to have to kill these people. Yeah. Cause Thanks he, a lot, man. Yeah. But you see, that's where put those difficult challenger players. And also, he gave me some interesting backstory. I, in the very first adventure, I had content that played off that. So, I mean, you know. Um, but like you said, subject matter, yeah, I put him in a position where he's like, thanks, now i got to kill a baby or something. But he didn't because his character's not his comeback. Um, but... Well, that's debatable. But anyway, another example of this was one time, like I said, challenge the players outside combat. Give them moral quandaries. Um, a, a city was under siege. You know, catapults, wham, are slamming into the city. And the local, the, the general leader of the, you know, uh, militia or something says, you've got to go take out those catapults. So they loan horses to the party and they're racing through town. Well, already an, an initial scout force of, orcs and half orcs and whatever have made their way into town on the edge of town and they're setting it on fire so as the players are rotting through burning buildings and avoiding these orcs figuring nope nope we can't stop to fight them we've got to get those catapults they're doing monumental damage to the, the town well by the time they ride by they see a village woman being drug off into a, a cottage and you know what these guys these orcs are going to do to her mm-hmm. and i made it <clears throat> relatively clear like they're beginning to rip her clothing and whatnot well, you know, I don't think anybody was offended by that, me putting that stumbling block there, but one player definitely was like, we've got to stop, forget the catapults, we'll have to wait. 
I'm going to go help that woman. I can't stand by and watch this. So the, the, the player did seem kind of incensed, but I think it might have been he might have that player that didn't appreciate, like, how dare you put that sort of quandary on me or something. We like, I want my game to be just vanilla and cut and dry and, you know, yay, we just ride out and fight the catapults. But I'm trying to, like, we have to make a decision here. Do you help this woman or do you go for the greater good, you know? And, uh, but nobody seemed offended. But looking back, I could see where that might, you know, rape is just not probably something you want to have in your game. I was younger. Correct. Yeah. You know, I was younger. And, uh, and at the time, I mean, I wouldn't, rape is wrong. I know that, you know that, we all know that. But it might just be something you don't want to put in your game. Right. Definitely you don't know anybody's yeah. life history. You yeah. don't know. So. Do you have to use the word triggered? Yeah. What can stress somebody? I think that's maybe a little bit better way to say it. Because with my wonderful module, not available for sale, but as much as we mentioned, I, I think it should be. Yeah. The uh, Carnage of the Casino, there's a couple of, it's a more adult module. Definitely. So it's there's, a good one, though. There's a couple of things in there where um, a mom might be triggered. Yeah. So I knew I had a mom sitting at my table. I said, hey, there's something you might not like. So if this isn't something you want to hear, I'm giving you that. I can tone it down or you can step away for a moment or whatever we need to do. And then there's another portion that's a little bit more adult. I had a kid playing at my table. yeah. So it was like, all right, there's a few choice words in here. That was definitely a PG-13 game. Yeah, the poop hit the fan yeah. instead of the shit hitting the fan. Right. And... Uh, Instead of some NPCs that they run, would have run into, they ran into a computer instead because uh-huh. that kind of sanitized it. But you definitely want to know your audience. Right. So just I know we're getting short on time, but one more. I, I say, and this is me, and this is where we – I think you would never want to admit it. I oh, think I admit it. On some level – I hate you, your – what? You root for the players. But I definitely root for the players. Oh, I always root for the players. The yeah. players may not think that. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. They wouldn't know you are, but I know you want to know you're rooting for them. But I always, I'm a little more overt. I probably need to be more like you in that regard. But root for the players, but, I say, but don't be afraid to kill a character. Root for them, but don't be afraid to. But if you do kill a character, make their death meaningful. Unless it's a funnel. Well, yeah, and if it's a funnel, just kill them, kill them with both hands and giggle the whole time and have fun. That's why I love funnels. I can, without any remorse, I'll kill characters a big stack. But yeah, but I'd say that you know, if you kill, if a character's, if a player's character has to die, you hope it's a meaningful death. Try to help make sure it is, not just for nothing. But yeah, and, and definitely root for the players. You know. Well, you've opened up a can of worms now. Oh, right, well, come on. So we talked about copying people's play styles. And I've told Matt before that I don't think I could run a game like he does where, I don't know if you want to say rooting for the players or like overtly rooting for the players or, I don't know, describe your game style. What would you say? Well, I mean, like I say, I, I root for the players and maybe sometimes it might be a little overt. But don't get me wrong, I mean, I, I've killed characters. I've TPK'd a party before. Um, but I wasn't happy about it. Um, I didn't, you know, like revelant. And that's the thing. Like, don't be an adversarial GM. I think we already said that. Well, I think you run more like to the con style where it's like, woo-woo. Yeah, but I will say it's been Texas nice. Texas Outlaws, have a party. Yeah, no, at a con, I, I try to, I'm full throttle a lot of times. I mean, I'm kicking the nitrous bottle. Outgoing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, very. What do you uh, want to say? I'm trying uh, to think of these adjectives here in the moment. Uh, what's bombastic. Whereas I think if I tried to run a game like that, it would come off completely fake and phony but it's not you then don't do it that's what i'm saying But people still have fun with your games that's all exactly you have different styles yeah and play to your style so there's certain things that you can't lift from people 
Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's got to do with personality or whatever. Not exactly. Style. That's what I'm saying. There's yeah. your GM style can be completely opposite of somebody else's. It doesn't necessarily mean it's good or bad, but certain GM styles styles a little bit better. I I like to think I'm more old school. Mm-hmm. I'm more of the like trap you in the maze here and laugh in your face. But I I still want you to win. Yeah. But. And that's where we're, I didn't want this to be called tips and tricks because it's really, we're talking about the art form. But like Eddie said, when you go to cons, there's a lot of tips and tricks, things that people do. You like, oh, I like that. That's, that's brilliant. Or let me try that. And it might not work for you or it might be gangbusters. Like we've talked about the, the thing that I do a lot of times, I stole from a buddy of ours who probably stole it somewhere else. But when someone goes to kill that bad guy, I go, all right, tell me how you killed that thing. And I let them do that little bit of role play in combat. Where they go, all right, I do a somersault and I fly up and I bring my sword down over their collarbone and ram it into their heart. And I just stand there in their face and watch them bleed out. Oh, dude, that's evocative. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Not just, all right, you killed the guy and let's move on, you know. But that's that's something. That's just something I stole from somebody else. Yeah. But yeah. So I guess part of it, too, is kind of we said know your audience, kind of know your material, what suits your play style. I run a lot of, like, Lamentations type stuff because it is one of those more meat grindery, brutal type of dungeons. Um, But on the flip side, I think I can do a really funny dungeon as well. Absolutely. Well, you've got a great sense of humor anyway. Um, But, yeah. Absolutely. So brutal or zany, those are my two GMing modes. Yeah, and that's actually that's awesome. <laughs> Brutally zany. But that's like he said before, and it's and Eddie was right one time we were talking about this is if you go dark the whole time, eventually your players are gonna get kind of immured to it and just get kind of numb and like, whoa, this is so if every so often you go lighthearted and they go, Oh, okay, we're letting up, it's like bam, and you come back with the the harsh stuff. They're like, Whoa, you know, you can you gotta kinda ease back and then hang I hit him again or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, but, um, yep. All right, so do you have anything else on this very first installment of our Art of the GM? And I know not everybody can be a good good at improvisation, but definitely if you can try, look on the Internet, watch some YouTube videos, learn to sort of be improvisational, because there's nothing worse than when players come up with a really cool or creative idea and you derail it because you're like, well, I wasn't prepared for that. You can't do that. No, I don't do that. Players are going to love it if they can improvisize and, and do something off the cuff. And players, when you think they're dead, game over, they'll never beat this encounter, and they pull something out of their ass and blow your mind. And if the players go to all the trouble of come up with a cool idea or plan, you should reward that. So be, be, be able to so – to, and, and be flexible. And I say a perfect example. I had a villain one time. I drew a – beautiful picture of this thing and statted it out and it was going to be great my players rolled just outrageous rolls and killed the thing like round two mm-hmm. and i'm just like ugh. and i almost thought about well i'll give it an extra 100 hit points but i was like no that's not right these guys rolled out of the box and this will be fun for them but i let them afterwards i was like you guys got insanely lucky which mm-hmm. on the opposite side of that that's almost like maybe the anti-rule of cool but whereas the players have to have that rule of cool, so do some of the monsters. Like that one classic example that we've probably talked about 15 times on the podcast already, where the guy gave us a whole page of the blood dripping down from the walls and the demon screaming and da 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 da. Glowing eyes. And he was dead in the first turn before I even got 
to do anything. Yeah. He was dead before it got I mean, to this me. This is like, this is the final penultimate battle at the end of the dungeon. Oh man, this guy talked this thing up. And like you said, this half page dissertation of describing the scene. And then the guy's dead in like three attacks. And I think that can go back to trusting your GM as well. Like, look, yeah. I'm going to fudge the hit points on this guy, but it's going to make it more fun for you. Yeah. At least if everybody gets to hit it before it goes down. Yeah. I mean, if you've got this really awesome crit, all right, we'll roll with it. But if it's just rather mundane takedown, yeah. give everybody a shot at it. Let everybody be a hero. Right on. Yeah. I mean, that's where, don't get me wrong, I'd be lying if I said I haven't ever fudged hit points up or down. Sometimes the players are just rolling really, really poorly. The character's not supposed to be that tough, but they're just getting the crap behind because my rolls are on fire and their dice are cold. You don't want to ever kill players because of bad dice rolls. That's, that's not punishable. It's when they do stupid things or make bad decisions. Oh, yeah, punish the crap out of them. But, uh, but don't punish poor dice rolls. But on the other hand, like sometimes their dice are on fire and you're cold. Well, it's pretty going to be a boring encounter. Eh. Maybe fudge a few hit, extra hit points on there. Make the monster last another round or two. You know? Yeah. So as you can see, folks, yeah. this is a topic that we can talk about forever. Absolutely. So what is your closing statement here, Matt? Like I said, just I would the the thing I said back when we were roadworthy is make it keep it fun. Don't let the rules get in the way of of fun. And as long as if your players are having fun. That's what this is supposed to be about. Keep that in the back of your mind. People don't come to playing games because they want drudgery and to be bored or have their butt hurt hey, or whatever. Hey, hey. Yeah. People people want to play these games for fun. Make it fun. I'm not saying Monty Hall, give them the candy store. Challenge them, but make it fun. And I'll say for improving your GMing, you can't really watch the tape. You can't go back and watch yourself, but you can think about some of the things you do when you GM. You can watch other people when they GM. You can think about what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses? Where could I improve? For example, with the NPCs, I know that I suck at coming up with names off the cuff. So I bring a list of names. Yes. There can be really simple stuff like that that you can fix. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, you know, just, yeah, you can you can fix it and enhance your game mastering. And I'm telling you, that's one more thing I'll say. People that like, oh, I could never game master. Now, if you can play you. these games, you can run these games. Well, I'm not good at it. Well, guess what? I keep the first miniature ever painted for one reason. When I start going, have I gotten better as a painter? I go pull that miniature out and go, Ugh. I mean, it's it's awful. It looks like, yeah, it's terrible. You know. Well, my hot take is you can run a game. If you yeah. can play the game, you can run yeah. the game. And, and if you do it enough, you'll get better. That's just a hot topic, I think, for us right now. Yeah. Anyway, unfortunately, we want to keep these short and sweet. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. So that's the end of another one. Like I said, we'll probably have another one on this topic coming up soon. So with that. Later, Tater. <laughs>